everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I share my thoughts on film. Today is kind of a different episode where I am actually not at home this weekend when this episode does drop here on YouTube and on audio podcast. Before I mention where I'm at, you know, you can also listen to us on audio, which is we're streaming on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts, and also clips of the show. This one that we're listening to right now, and as well as the other, the movie, the main version of the show with Terry, Zach, and Todd. Full, you know, that show, these shows are segmented out on YouTube at Almost Sideways. I have been putting out the full shows about a week after the podcast versions do drop. So if you guys want to watch a video uh, version of the full show, make sure you check out YouTube as well. Almost Sideways there on YouTube. Anyway. It's really good to be back. Uh, last week, again, kind of had a really rejuvenating episode. I really enjoyed talking about a lot of the films that I've been watching recently. However, this one is going to be a little shorter because I'm uh, I wanted to put something out there for you guys and kind of share what's going on in my life, and but also talk about a film that might be tying into what I be uh, would be doing this this weekend. Uh, anyway. Uh, March 26th, I met this amazing woman back uh, eight years ago, and I got to say, it changed my life forever. My wife and I started dating March 26th, 2013, and we haven't looked back. There's been a lot of, you know, there's been ups, there's been downs, like any relation does have them, but the one thing that we've really worked on throughout the, our relationship is communication, and I think that's really kind of benefited not just us, but also our kids and everything. And it's been so awesome getting to know a person I've been with for so long, getting more about know more about her. The cool thing about this this year's anniversary, our eight years been together, she's putting up with me <laughs> quite a bit and a lot of my my stuff. But I'm I'm really excited because Arlette and I decided that you know what, we usually just go out to dinner and kind of have celebrate here at home. But we wanted to go do something special. We wanted to go out, actually go out and experience something. And one thing I've, we, she's never been to, and I've been haven't been since I was a kid, is Las Vegas. We've been kind of talked about what we want to go, we want to go, but we keep putting it off. But this year we actually are going to Las Vegas. We fly out Friday, the twenty sixth of March, and we're really stoked about it. Like, and we're also staying in Caesar's Palace, which also might tie into the movie I'm going to be talking about a little bit, re- doing a revisit of. I'm really excited for this trip because we're going to have a kind of adult weekend. We kind of picked out a bunch of cool spots that we want to go experience. We're, like I said, staying at Caesars Palace. We're not staying at one of the basic, we're kind of staying at a pretty good room, kind of like middle, I don't know, not the bottom tier room, but, you know, kind of, uh, and not quite the top, but kind of in the mid range room. And kind of, uh, it's going to be really ex- exciting to just do something different and go experience a, a new city. As an adult, and um, we're all, we're looking forward to going like the M&M factory, a bunch of different cool factories there, but chocolate factory, Hershey factory, Coca-Cola factory, if it's still there, and experiencing awesome foods. We found out that there's a White Castle there, so let's like we gotta go there. I should, maybe should have reviewed Harold and Kumar. Maybe that would have been a fun one to talk about. But uh, there's also an In-N-Out Burger, which I I grew up in California. I moved up into Washington State in 1999, so. I went to In-N-Out Burger quite frequently down there. And so when we took our Disney trip about, I guess, seven years ago now, we or not seven years ago now, maybe four years ago now. Our daughter was three at the time. Anyway, four years ago now, it, 
we went to in and out and she's been talking about it ever since. So we're excited. We're going to eat some in and out in Vegas. I'm pretty excited about that. Trying different uh, beverages, beverages, as I call it. And well, actually, speaking of which, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. What am I drinking today in honor of this amazing occasion? I got some an anniversary gift that I'm drinking today. And that is some Johnny Walker Black Label, which has been aged 12 years. You can hear it right there shaking in front. Hopefully, you can hear some a little bit. But I pour some in this glass here. I'm taking kind of sipping. It's a sipping whiskey. I'm a big whiskey fan. Uh, older I'm getting, like, but also it's kind of the older I get, I, I make sure I can't can't do the shots anymore out of me. I got to slow it down. So I've uh, been kind of you know slowly. Uh, slowly uh, just doing more of the sipping stuff. So got a nice sipping whiskey, Johnny Walker Black Label. So really smooth. So anyway, really enjoying this anniversary gift. And I know that I've got her some stuff too. And obviously our trip too. So it's, it's going to be a fun experience there. I know uh, Todd is kind of jealous and uh, high from Vegas from us, Todd. But anyway, I'm really excited to go on this trip. And as we were planning it, and, you know, we talked about Caesars. I was like, you know, the Hangover movie was from that. I guess I should go back and revisit. And I hadn't seen it for a few years now. So without further ado, we're going to talk about the 2008 film directed by Todd Phillips, The Hangover. If you want to go to Vegas without me, that is totally cool. What are you talking about? Well, you know, Phil and Stu, they're your buddies. And it's your bachelor party. And those two love you. Boys and their bachelor parties, it's gross. It is gross i just wish your friends were as mature as you they are mature actually you just have to get to know them better aging dr douchebag this is vegas through a night we'll never forget Last night. Am I missing a tooth? Oh. <laughs> Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. <laughs> <laughs> the only important thing now is that we find Doug. Where's your car, officers? Oh, God. I think it was just you guys and one other guy. Was he okay? He was fine. Just whacked out of his mind. <laughs> oh, we were messed up. Is there anything you can tell us about what may have happened last night? Congratulations, dude. You got married. He is wearing my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. These gentlemen volunteered to demonstrate how a stun gun is used to subdue a suspect. Wait, qualified to be taking care of that baby. Oh my god. We're getting married in five hours. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. What is going on? Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. The 
The Hangover came out in 2008 and is directed by Todd Phillips, stars Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, and Zach Galifianakis. Those are the three leads. There's also a, sl- a, a slew, a plethora. Uh, hopefully, I just used that right. Three Amigos has taught me the word plethora. Anyway, I feel like I'm co stars too, like Justin Bartha, and uh, you got Heather Graham, Mike Tyson shows up, Mike Epps, Kim Jong. There's a lot of, uh, and also Rob Riggle. To a ton of other people, I'm just spacing uh, their names at the moment. But anyway, I hadn't watched this movie for quite a few years, and I, as I was, I pushed play on my Blu-ray. I was got gave the option of the theatrical cut of or the unrated cut. Now I, I watched the unrated version. I got the the film right here. However, you know, looking at it, I think the only difference is about eight minutes of footage. I think I only remember one little scene at. During the wedding, there was some different wedding stuff that happened in this cut, the unrated cut of the film. So that really only that's the only thing I really noticed um, that was really kind of different. I thought it was a good little scene, uh, something relating to their their car that they take out. Uh, that Jeffrey Tambor, I forgot to mention him, that he uh, loans them their car, but it's a wedding gift. So that's, that's the only thing I really caught. But anyway. Uh, quick little my personal history with The Hangover before I get too into it. Uh, in 2008, I actually watched this in move, the movie theater. And the movie theater was completely packed, sold-out show. I loved those op- big opening weekends for these big block uh, films. Hangover was one I remember in 2008. Also, The Dark Knight. Iron Man was another one. There's quite a... I'm, if I look think about it hard enough, I probably can think of a couple other ones I went to see at that time. But the Hangover was kind of a unique, unique thing. I went to see with a, a group of friends. And I, I kind of remember the trailer being funny, but at the same time, didn't know you know if how good it was going to be. And I had a blast watching this movie. We all did. It, the whole theater was rocking. We were all laughing hysterically. And it was probably one of my favorite movie-going experiences that, that I've had, especially at, at such a, like a movie fan at that time. Granted, I, my taste has a, kind of evolved or aged a little better uh, since I've, I've kind of watched more and more movies and got my uh, developed my uh, film taste, if you will. But The Hangover is one of those movies that I have rewatched over the years, not quite as frequently as other comedies that I really do enjoy. And I find myself still enjoying the experience, but not laughing hysterically um, with each of viewing. I should also mention that in 2008, when I did originally watch the movie, I actually took my dad the very next day to watch the film. And the funny thing, his review was, I've never seen a film more rude, crude, or socially unacceptable in my entire life. But I absolutely had found hilarious. So that's my quick, my dad's quick little takes on the movie. And we had a fun time watching this. And even the second time watching it back to back, I still really enjoyed my time with this movie. Rewatching it after I haven't seen this movie, I guess for a couple years now, I would say, and I totally forgot there was an unrated version. So we did, like I said, we watched that version of the film, and I found myself in uh, 2021 still laughing at a few of the jokes. Not every joke lands or is even, I guess, quote air quotes acceptable in 2021 eyes. So it doesn't really age entirely well for me. But the big thing about this movie that really works is the three leads of Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, and Zach Galifianakis. Now, these are bigger name stars nowadays, but back then, 
I think Bradley Cooper was really like the face of the, the, the face that everybody was really turning in, tuning into. I think you could mention a little bit of Ed Helms for the office, his work in the office. And Galifianakis was the unknown for me. Granted, he might have been a more of an underground comic at the time, but now has skyrocket, skyrocketed to a lot of things, especially in the early 2010s. Uh, Bradley Cooper has since gone on to great success with like MCU projects. He plays the voice of Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's directed great movies like Star, uh, Star is Born, and he got nominated for Oscars for um, you know American Sniper and a few other performances that I have enjoyed over the years too. And Ed Helms, even though he doesn't have his great success compared to the other two actors, he still had that office credibility there. He was Andy Bernard. I wasn't a huge fan of that character when he first was introduced, but he kind of redeemed himself at near the end of the show for me. And it's kind of great to see these three actors, these three unlikely duos lead this film to such a, a raucous uh, journey. If it, if you will. Now, if you haven't watched this movie in a long time, let me just refresh your memory on the, the plot of the film. It's about these four, the four friends, you know, these three guys that we mentioned already, and also Justin, uh, Justin Barthas character who plays Doug. Doug is getting married. So this is their bachelor party weekend. They go out of town for the night and they have a night uh, that they can't remember or a night they won't forget, <laughs> but eventually they can't remember something happens where they think they got drugged and they try to piece the, the evening together. One clue at a time. They're trying to find their friend Doug as well. Doug has disappeared. They have a baby in their hotel room. There's a tiger in the bathroom, and they stole a cop car. Uh, all these things and much more uh, slowly unravel as the day progresses through the, the course of the film. That's an outrageous plot. A lot of craziness does ensue in this film, and it's still ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous as you remember it being. Uh, watching it now, I think it's kind of funny that we this director, Todd Phillips, directed obviously these three hangover movies but he's also an, an oscar nominated director now with the film joker i really love joker i put it as one of my favorite films of 2019 uh that movie obviously if you haven't seen it stars joaquin phoenix but todd phillips i, I didn't really remember a lot of the movies that his name was attached to but looking back at his filmography we see that he's directed about 14 films some of the ones I, i've seen pretty much all of them other i think i don't see, see some, ugh, i haven't seen some of his earlier work mind you but i've seen the hangover movies i've seen joker uh, due date was one that i kind of mentioned roughly with robert downey jr and gallop nakis but he's playing basically playing alan the same character he played in the hangover so i thought that was kind of uh and old school was one of those will ferrell comedies that i didn't actually watch a whole lot of when that movie came out i was a little too young so i hadn't really gone back and rewatched it and i remember after when i finally did watch it it was really kind of enjoyable and it was kind of a fun film uh he directed road trip and this is one of the films i do remember uh, School for Scoundrels, which came out in 2006 with Billy Bob Thornton and and stars John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite fame. Um, so anyway, I remember that movie. Don't remember too much about it. I just remember watching it. And we, I think we had the DVD of that for whatever reason. Anyway, back to The Hangover. The Hangover is one of those cultural phenomenons that you cannot, uh, you remember where you were when you watched it. I remember 2008 was such a crazy year for film because we had, you know, The Dark Knight, one of the movies that was really skyrocketing the award scene. I believe you also had, you know, Avatar that year. 
and you had quite a lot you had a lot of big movies and i remember going and watching a lot a lot of film and theater but never remember laughing this hard i think for comedies for me personally is that the big bigger the crowd the better the experience is not all the case, not all the times that's true however but the hangover was one of those movies that definitely del- definitely elevated the material far more than what it actually uh, does deliver on the, the the size of the crowd when your crowds get going you kind of laugh with them as well and rewatching now i did still laugh at a lot of the jokes like i said but a lot of them don't really land too much for me i really like i said i really love the performances from the three leads i think they all have great chemistry here uh the big kind of standout for me in this one obviously i think you had to go with sack alifanakis i think he has the the highest character performance here war if you will i don't know what the guys say too uh, he's really good in the movie However, I don't know if it's such a great war because he just basically takes that character and uses it for every single other movie that he does. Uh, And that's kind of annoying for me. I don't like that. And the biggest hindrance that makes this movie even not as good as I remember it being is because they made sequels to it. And obviously the second film was basically a rehash of this first film. And you have the third movie, which wasn't really funny at all. And I didn't really care for it. But, you know, my biggest takeaway and biggest uh, thing about the movie was that it captures this unique feel that Vegas is the city that never sleeps. There's so many crazy things that you can get into and do in Vegas that you can't really experience in like your average cities. Some of my favorite bits in this movie, this movie was when Rob Riggle and his partner show up and they, he get, they get arrested for stealing this cop car and they have to get, tased or they can get so they can get off so they they, this uh they don't get charged for this and seeing these uh these kids tase these three guys i think that's a great scene i really think that's a really funny comedic moments there and another one you know seeing you know them interact with heather graham and and when they finally find doug and ken jong shows up and that is a very shocking reveal i think this is one of his first movies he's ever been in and it is quite uh shocking to say the least uh yeah i was not expecting that whatsoever when i first watched it i think overall though in closing my thoughts on this movie is that this is a movie that you definitely have better memories uh remember watching it you have better memories watching this movie like back in the day then maybe the movie actually is maybe a little bit of nostalgia memories do play a factor into this and seeing this movie on the big screen definitely made it one of the better movies of 28 2008 for me looking back at it now yeah it's still a very fun enjoyable movie that is flawed and it's not as good as i remember it being but i'm still going to give it a passable grade of about three stars because it is kind of fun it is kind of dumb at times but i can't there's something about it that i um i really like how it looks and how it feels and some of the the gags work some don't, but it's these characters we're taking this journey with, and I find it quite a, kind of a fun journey. Let me know in the comments section down below what you guys think of The Hangover. If you guys like it, if you not like it, let me know down there. And if you're listening to this on audio for, for uh, uh, if you're listening to this on audio form, make sure you guys check out Adam Sideways for my personal Twitter and Almost Sideways. Let us know what your thoughts are there. Anyway, guys, our last segment of this show is going to be an interview that I did with Mr. Austin Burke. 
Now, I hope you guys do enjoy the interview. We talk about his film journey and how he became in love with films and how he started sharing that on YouTube. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Until next time. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Hey everybody, welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. My name is Adam, and I have a very fun conversation. We've been doing these interviews of, not really interviews, but I like sit-down conversations and or film journeys, if you will, with YouTube creators and other podcasters alike. And we love talking about movies here. So, of course, I had to reach out to one of my, one of my favorite people that I've interacted and actually become friends with on YouTube through my my kind of film journey. And that is Austin Burke, a.k.a. The Burkinator. Austin, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing so much better now that I'm on here, man. This is <laughs> awesome. I've I've watched your YouTube journey for a long time, man. Just the, the interactions that we've had and just for you to ask me to come on here, man. It means a lot. So I'm excited to be here and to, to talk about some movies today. Absolutely. I will. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a crazy multiple channels for me, but all <laughs> doing something a little bit different. And I think this is actually something more rewarding for me. I don't like like do a little common ranking videos and stuff yes. like having a conversation pieces. And we'll talk about that more in a little Absolutely. bit. But quickly, where can we find you on YouTube and social media, my friend? Yeah, you guys can find me uh, youtube.com slash Austin Burke doing reviewing pretty much everything out there uh all the streaming services and movie reviews and uh, occasional tier lists and uh, on twitter and instagram at the burkinator and i'm writing reviews on letterboxd every movie i see i try to log it sometimes i get backed up but uh, we're trying to keep track <laughs> over there man so yeah doing doing a lot of stuff nowadays that's awesome and um all his links will be in the show notes of this video and it you're listening to this on audio podcast. You can also, if you don't have time to watch the whole video, we are also podcast too. And you can find the almost sideways podcast at on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Pandora. I have to make this slider. I'll forget. So there we go. <laughs> so I know it's links will be in the show notes, but anyway, let's jump into it. Austin, you know, you have grown so much over the last couple of years since we've met each other. I think currently yeah. you're sitting about 86,000 subscribers on YouTube yes. uh, sharing your movie thoughts. Uh, when you started your very first YouTube clip, do you ever think that you were going to grow this much? In no. The span? Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, not at all. I mean, the goal at first was to make this, you know, the side hobby, the side gig, because I grew up with the likes of a Jeremy Johns, a Chris Stuckman, a, the Schmoes. No, these guys that I'm just, I love hearing opinions about movies. I love hearing criticism and I, I loved it all so much. I'm like, well, I got to figure out something to do in college. So mm -hmm. I majored in media and I minored in film studies and I just grew more and more in love with movies. So this was kind of my way to, it was almost my creative outlet. And then that turned into more of, all right, well now I'm trying to figure out, should I go to class today or should I make a YouTube <laughs> video? And then it just went full on, like, I'm going to quit my job and do this full time. So it's yes. grown. Uh, to a ridiculous level, but dude, I love it so much. I love the movie talking community and being able to meet the, you know, people like you, people like uh, your Zach Popes, your your three C films, your Dave Lee's. It's just, yeah. it's such a cool community to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you've 
you, you're taking this little, little hobby side project thing into a, a full-fledged career, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you, you've you amassed over like 21 million subscribers. Can you put into words how that kind of – seeing that big old number up there, what that what that actually feels like? Yeah, it, well, it's, it's wild because I used to um... – I used to do Vine, which was kind of my original creative outlet. And, you know, I got uh, 100 million views, 100,000 subscribers or followers or whatever you want to call it on there. And it was fun, but I wasn't like, you know, I don't have a passion towards silly little skits like I do movies, right? So when I decided to transfer over to YouTube, I'm like, I got to do something I'm passionate about. You know, it's yeah. going to take a lot longer because the field there are a lot of people doing what we do, Adam. So it, yeah. it's difficult to stand out. So to find a community of people to help this channel kind of stand out at least a little bit from the crowd uh, was really cool. And to see that view count and to see, you know, the, the same names coming back to every video and yeah, you know talking absolutely. about the movies, even if it's the little Netflix film that you don't think a lot of people care about, it's still cool to see. Uh, and it's cool to see that community continue to grow, man. I just, uh, I, I have so much fun doing what I'm doing. And I think that's the most important thing. And I think that's right. You said right there, it's kind of like the best thing to describe it. If, you, if you're having fun doing something, you know, once it becomes a drag and I know that you probably have come into where you're really fatigued at times because you're putting out so much right. stuff. And so you kind of need to rewind the batteries. I know I was there too. And, and people, you, you, you've probably shared this by now, if you're watching it, you've probably seen it. And, you know, I've been on, had multiple channels before and I definitely yeah. felt that fatigue and it's especially the first time I really got into YouTube with the original almost site, which is just myself and doing so many different things and grew a lot. You run into that. Have you, what was the biggest like block of fatigue you've had? If you do remember I remember you when I when I first started. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I remember the first collaboration we did was it was it Ryan O'Toole? I can't remember who's. Oh no! I, I think, think it was, was the uh, it was a game show. I know that it, it was it either was Ryan that? or Zach Pope. Zach Pope yeah. and Cody Curtis is one. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. And I remember meeting you, and I'm like, "All right, I'm really nervous, man. I'm nervous." <laughs> and, and, but it it was so cool, man. It was so cool. Like, and to run into these kinds of like you know here's a week where we're going to have to watch four shows and, and, and yeah. three movies. And, you know, you get, you get a little fatigued and I don't like using that word. Cause yeah, that absolutely. makes me sound like I'm ungrateful for, you oh, know, right. watching movies and TV shows, but truly, you know, when you watch that many things and, but we're not only watching, right. We're, we're analyzing, we're taking mm -hmm. notes. We're, we're trying to, you know, uh, jot things down to remember for our video. It does take a lot out of you mentally. So there have been times I remember when I first started doing Netflix series and there was a point a few months in uh, when there was, I believe like two or three 10 episode shows coming out that weekend. And I knew I would have to skip class that Friday, but don't do this kids. I knew I would have to skip class that Friday um, to get all of them watched and binged. And uh, at the time I wasn't receiving screeners, you know, and it's it's so much different now because now studios look at YouTubers and they're like, awesome. You know, 2,000 subscribers, 3,000, we're going to give you screeners. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, where was that when I was at two, 3,000? Because I didn't get my first screener until I was at 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. 40,000 when, when somebody started taking me seriously. Uh, but that's just, that's part of how awesome this community is now because they're taking us seriously. They're seeing that. So now that I get opportunities like that, 
I can, you know, watch everything in advance, have everything, have everything prepared. But I'm telling you, there were moments when I would wake up at 3 a.m., binge two, three shows in a row and consistently get reviews out from Friday, staying up all night into Saturday. And that was like 36 hour days. And uh, there was a point where I almost gave up and I believe it was late 2017, early 2018. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. Um, but I've said this before. I, I've said this with other, you know, other conversations. My wife was actually one, the one to push me, keep me going. She said, you're not going to stop doing this. Um, I don't care how much you're getting weathered by it. You're not going to stop doing it. And sure enough, it paid off. So that's the one thing that I had to learn was actually patience. I just had to be patient with the process and, yeah. and thank goodness I, I kept going with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like I would, I'm so impressed by, by is obviously your, how much content you have, but also just how professional and also consistent and just like how excited you are to talk about these things. And I think that is some of the, what you're, some of my favorite qualities when I'm watching an Austin Brick video. Like I, I just, I don't, it might be, I'm not even interested in something, but you're heck, you're thrilled. I might have to watch it now type of thing. That's what, <laughs> I, what I really love. So I, I appreciate Madison pushing you and like say, no, get, you're going to be patient yes. with it. Yeah. Yes. She got, she got I, everything I needed at the time. It's like, she motivated me. She bought me my first set of lights. She bought me my first uh, Yeti microphone. She, yeah. she just did all of that stuff. And I'm like, if I didn't have her, I don't know where I would be right now. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> needs that motivation in their life, whether it's a brother, a sister, a best friend, someone to just push you and say, keep going. Cause you're going to get there one day. Absolutely. The, I guess the one thing, because you're putting out a ton and, you know, you have obviously you have your wife and we've talked off camera about future plans and stuff like that, too. How do you find like a, a for you personally, a balance where you can have that work in, with your movies and also like a life balance too, a work life balance? I think that's kind of a good question. A lot of I've asked before and yeah. just going to see different people's process. So what's what's like a, kind of an average thing for you? looking like it, it's honestly still something i'm i'm working on to find the perfect balance of whether it be you know sleep which is something that i'm still working on i do not get a lot of sleep and a lot of it has to do with you know there will be days when i will be in the middle of working what we like to call working but most of the time it's just me kind of writing down notes during watching a movie and stuff like that but mm -hmm. i'll be in the middle of that and, and my wife will come home and i'll say I need the next couple of hours. And by the time I'm done, she'll be asleep because she has to get up at five o'clock to go to work every morning. So it's like, yeah. she goes to bed by 10. I'm done at nine. We get one hour together, but we have tried to make more of an effort for, you know, maybe whether it's me getting up a bit earlier or uh, kind of being done around the same time every day. So we at least get three to four hours together and putting everything else to the side. And maybe that's two or three times a week, but it really is helping us because we need that time together. Um, but it's also kind of helping me relax on a mental level. Not that I have physical exhaustion. I mean, I go and work out and things like that, but uh, I, I have friends where, you know, my best bud, he works at UPS and he's constantly moving around, walking, yeah. you know, physical. And I, I told him, I'm like, our jobs are so different because mine is just like exhaustion up here. Yours is exhaustion physically, but we're both working really, really hard to do what we love and to provide for our families. Yeah. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing that I've ran into. It's like, 
I don't like telling people I, I do YouTube. Obviously, I'm not doing YouTube for the money. I'll make that very yeah. clear. Um, but but it is very important for me. You know, I've always told Madison, it's like I, I want to be close to the level that you are in terms of, you know, how we can provide for our little family, my wife and my dog and myself. Right. And yeah. now that I'm, you know, I'm getting on that level, I'm feeling more comfortable with taking those breaks and not necessarily having to shoehorn in as many movies as I possibly can in one day because I, I've I've grown to appreciate that process a bit more and and have patience with you know how my channel's performing and things like that. But um, yeah, to say it's stressful doing what we do, it sounds silly, uh, but sometimes you, you get kind of worried about how your channel's doing every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think since starting this one, obviously we well, it's, it's considerably smaller at the moment, but you know, we're, we're seeing definitely growth and it's cause we're doing something a little bit different. We're doing yes. kind of podcast long format, cutting down into different segments and, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't feel like I have to personally make something different. I can just, the guys are recording something every week and I can snip up that and it's like, okay, yeah. I can, I can, personally I can take a break, but I don't have to analyze everything. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's when you're doing when you're on one man show, it's, it's kind of taxing, especially if you have an, a kind of a, a job, a traditional job, and then you have yes. your your other job, and trying to find that balance. And that's something when I first started, honestly, I did not have a good work life balance, and it kind of took a, a toll on my relationship with my wife and even my daughter too. So luckily, I had a kind of got my wife kicking me into gear and realized that we need <laughs> we need this. So I really appreciate her pushing me as well. So yes, absolutely. Uh, so you told told kids at home not to do something. You were skipping <laughs> skipping class here, and I want to kind of touch about what classes were you frequently skipping, and what were you what were you traditionally trying to watch? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a great question. So uh, it was actually so for my major, which was convergent media, my minor, which was uh, film studies. My major, we would have a class where we would have a lab, and that lab was every Friday, or maybe it's every other Friday. I can't remember, but Friday would be the day when Netflix is dropping their stuff at 3 a.m. And prior to a couple years ago, it would be everything. See, now we have shows coming out on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Friday. But before, it was the same day every week, everything. And where I wasn't getting screeners, I said to myself, I've got to be the first one. I didn't have to be the first one, but I told myself I had to be the first one. So I would get up at 3, and I would watch the first movie, and then I'd try to get my review out, and then I'd go to class. Well, there were some weeks when it would be a 10-hour show, and then there would be a movie that I had to catch as well. So, you know, do I go to my lab or do I – and if it wasn't worth it, you know, if the show was tiny, I didn't do it. But there were – I I think it was a big show. I think it was like Mindhunter Season 2 was one that I missed a class, and then I believe somebody in that class saw my video – Oh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a professor, thank goodness. But somebody's like, did you skip this class to make this video? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, all right. And I didn't really know the person that well. But I'm like, thanks for liking and subscribing. <laughs> so at thanks, least, for the view. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the view. So yeah, I mean, I, I would not recommend it, um, especially now that you know so many more people are on that train and we're all getting screeners and things like that. But at the time, I just felt like it was something. And yeah, I wasn't professional. I had a green screen in a closet at one point. And I think it was actually that point when I was filming in my closet. But it was a um, 
it was definitely something that I took a risk on because that's a very risky thing, skipping class to make videos. Yeah, definitely uh, some uh, r risk that might not have the greatest rewards at time. Thankfully, it paid <laughs> out for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 50 50. You, yeah, 50 50. You know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> Give or take. Uh, you said you were mentioning you're filming in different weird locations. And one of my videos, uh, when I first started, I learned this from Sean Chandler. And he's yeah. a pretty big guy right now. And I've, I'll eventually, I'm going to be brave enough to ask him because I was super nervous when I first talked to him <laughs> on the collab. Uh, but I'm going to reach out to him for one of these two. But he suggested that I put poster board, neon green poster board mm. behind me. And that's yeah. how I used my first green screen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was my so first was, green screen. It was yeah. poster board was your first green screen. Yeah. That's a good I, idea. And that was what he did. And that's what that's what if you go back to like his some of his first videos with green screen, yeah. poster board on the wall. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know when I got my green screen because yeah. there was a big portion of my channel when I just used all green screen as my background because I would do various locations. The one was a yeah. closet, as you know, and then other ones was like my parents' basement and then these other places. So I would just take my green screen around with me. And it was so complicated because I didn't have one of the mobile. You see this this blue thing right here. It wasn't one of the mobile ones. It was the one that you had to tack to the wall yep. or stand up and then iron or steam. So every time I would set it up, I would have to stand there and steam it for like 10 minutes and make sure it was stretched out to its entirety. So now I'm wishing I'm like, maybe I should have bought one of the mobile green screens. Or like you said, just sit some poster board up. Uh, that would, be, that would yeah. make life so much easier, man, because it was just such a complicated. But my wife bought me the green screen, so I said, thanks, honey. And I just. Hey, there, there she goes. Man, you're going to owe her a lot of stock in your, uh, the Burke's, the Burke, uh, the Burke channel. There we go. Uh, speaking of something of different locations, can you explain, if you're, if you're listening to this on audio for my apologize, can you explain this location? <laughs> um. Yeah, that's um, well, I mentioned I would take the green screen around in my parents' basement and I would, but that was actually before I had the green screen. That was my parents' storm shelter. So it was this textured wall um, and, you know, there were like yellow spots and off colored spots, but I tried to yeah. find the widest part of the storm shelter I could find because I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And they can't really hear me down here um, for some reason. So storm drains, that's, that's a pretty crazy location. <laughs> yeah, man, it was uh, it was a, a, a weird time because like I, I just didn't know, you know, where I was supposed to be. It's hard when you're just this college student who's going back and forth from dorm to uh, your first apartment, back to yeah. the dorm, to your parents' house every weekend, and you got to film a video everywhere you go. It's nice when you finally get a green screen. But prior to that, you know, I, I went and grabbed my brother's television to give myself some sort of a background, had to set it up, spend 30 minutes setting it up on this table, man. It was just, it was a, <laughs> <laughs> look at that. And, and I put my, uh, my mother's blanket on top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, man. If I can unzoom this in, that that's some, it's ridiculous, hey, man. man. I didn't even realize uh, I was a blanket before. So until you mentioned that, that's nice. Man, it's, it was a hard but it was fun. You know, I look back at those moments and I'm like, you know, maybe I'm still not super professional, but look at me now, you know, look at me a now. Bit <laughs> a hey, and we all got to start somewhere. My, uh, my very first time filming, I, I, I told us in the last interview too, it was just a camera in front of my face. And I was like 
legit like it was moving around because that's how I filmed it. And I was like, hey, like, and then I realized, wait, I could actually get a webcam and just set it up to my, and then that's what that's the that's that that was my process at that time. So good stuff. Let me man. tell you the the day I got a webcam because I film with my phone even <laughs> even in the days when my channel started finally started growing and and things were going good. I was still using a phone. I used a phone until I was at like 30K. And then yeah. I went to visit. Here's the funny thing. I went to visit my buddy 3C Films in oh, yeah. Texas. Yeah. And he was using a webcam. And he said, hey, man, why don't you just use a webcam? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I could. And he actually gave me his extra webcam. So he hooked me up with the first um yeah, I guess legitimate camera that I ever had. And from that point, I'm like, wow, quality makes a difference. But I mean, <laughs> I was so content, man. I literally, I could have just used my phone. I could still be using my phone and be content because again, quality is very important. And, you know, as you grow, as you progress, you want to keep doing those yeah, things, absolutely. but it is more about the content in my opinion. It is more about how, you know, much passion you have for that review. And I see people all the time and they're like, you know, how much money do I need to spend to make a YouTube channel? How much uh, money? Do and, and I tell them, I'm like, I, I didn't spend a dime yeah. when I started. I, not a dime. And, you know, you will find people that don't care as much about that. When you start growing, you can yeah. start to spend a little, invest a little money in it, but you have to find that audience first and just know that they're there for you, not there for all of the other things. Yeah, absolutely. You have to make sure that, you know, they're there for because they enjoy your thoughts and opinions and not there for the flash, you know? Yes. Yeah. Start somewhere. Yeah, we all got to start somewhere. We have sharing these fun stories and stuff like that, too. So it's kind of funny to see where we 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 both started and uh, <laughs> see where we are a little bit now, too. It's, it's, it's been it's been fun, you know, this YouTube thing. And when you first start, you don't expect to meet tons of people. And you're just like, yes. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be this little guy in the corner. If no one watches my videos, great. I don't care. I'm just talking. <laughs> I need a, an outlet. And here it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, I guess that's a good point. Uh, transition. When was like the, this, this, the day or the decision that you decided, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to branch out into this YouTube thing and start make, recording myself in front of a camera and uh, talk, talking to it, talking to no one at, at first until you're talking to people like 80s, you know, a lot of people now, but when did you really kind of decide? And was it a movie? Was it a show? What kind of made you push you in that direction? Well, I knew I wanted to take my college degrees oh, yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and utilize them, but I never imagined it would be YouTube, right? I always thought that I would, you know, maybe uh, be, a, I, I would even think at the time that I could do written, like, you know, write for yeah. a newspaper, uh, you know, maybe at one point I wanted to be a reporter. At one point I wanted to be a sports newscaster. I, um, actually legitimately, there was a time when I thought I was going into sports just full on. This was before wow. I really got into my YouTube channel because I ran, uh, Moorhead state, which was my college, their, uh, basketball coaches, television show. I was the, uh, producer. <laughs> I helped direct it and I would come on and co-host sometimes with, uh, him and, and the actual host. So I really enjoyed that, but there was a part of me that said, you know, you don't really want to go into the news industry just because of how certain things work there. There was a part of me that said, maybe I'm not as passionate about, and don't get me wrong. I love sports, but being a sports broadcaster, you have to kind of love every sport 
Yeah. And I'm more of just like a football basketball guy. So I don't know if that's what I want to be. And then I just, I, I was watching all of these critics on YouTube and I said, why don't I just do this for fun and see where it goes? You know what I mean? Why don't I just, but it took me probably from when I decided that, that process of actually sitting down and doing my first review, I, I did a couple of trailer reactions, but the first review, which I believe was for Deadpool. Um, and even then it took me so long to keep getting reviews out. Cause I'm like, ah, that wasn't very good. It took forever because I was so afraid of what people would think. And going yeah. back and watching that now, I was much more peppy and I tried to use transitions and I had a dumb border <laughs> over my videos for some reason. I don't know why I did that, but I was terrified because I just didn't know if people would like me or care. Um, yeah. and thankfully I don't know if a lot of people like me, but thankfully I found some people that maybe responded to the way that I did reviews and that gave me a little bit of confidence. But getting yeah. to that point, man, is I mean, it had to be six months to a year before I actually settled down and said, I, I think I can do this. And I did it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it take it's a process because even at certain times, depending on what your movie you're talking about, it's kind of hard to oh, talk yeah. about certain things. You, you're talking the natural conversation. Like some movies are really hard to review or are a lot of harder to review than other yes. movies. And uh, yeah, it's, you can't, I, I find myself sometimes kind of struggling with, with what words to say, what words, you know, not to repeat. And, you know, and it, after been, and I feel pretty comfortable in front of the camera and, yes still tough after so many years and yeah it's it's that's it's crazy and uh and, and it's wild because i had always done like in high school i was the anchor on our school's news show and in college i did a um it's like a today show where we would do random oh, things and talk about things and i did uh, something called news center where i would be <laughs> the lead anchor and you know i was so confident in that and i always thought i would end up on television but when I sat down to do my first YouTube video, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'd, I'd done it in front of studio audiences and everything. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue what I'm doing. And there was no one in the room. It was just me. So it, it's it's the idea of, at this point, the idea of way more people than a studio audience, you know, watching me, criticizing me. You don't know what they're saying because you're not in the same room with them. And I had to cope with that mentally. I'm like, will this work? And does this format suit my personality? And now I'm much more comfortable doing this. Yeah. And I feel like if I went back into that world, I would be a little bit more um, terrified because I haven't <laughs> done it in so long. But it took a while to kind of transition from the live show with other people in the room, lights, camera, action, to here's Austin and his phone. All yeah, right. Austin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward, man. Nice. A quick detour question for you. You said you were uh, yeah. really kind of thinking about uh, sports and football. We we like sports here on the, the show too. Uh, what, what's your team? Are you like more college? Are you professional? What what, uh, what basketball and football teams are you going for? So I grew up um, a UK fan. I, I live in Kentucky. So obviously, you know, UK basketball, 2012 national champs, baby. Woo. We suck this year though. Um, <laughs> and football has been rough. It's been a rough journey. Uh, and then I just love college football. It's funny because I played basketball in high school and, you know, I wasn't outstanding or anything, but I, I thought I'm pretty good at basketball, but I've actually grown to love football way more in my college years because that's mm -hmm. just been kind of my, you know, fantasy football, this and that. Now on the NFL level, which is my favorite because I am locked in 
whenever, you know, just from August to Super Bowl, I am locked in on the NFL. I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, which is semi-random, but my dad actually grew up very close to Pittsburgh, so he was a Steelers fan. Um, most of his brothers were Steelers fans, and I, I've i really grown up with that culture and, and you know, nice. just um, wearing the black and gold. Every It's random because I live in Kentucky, but, man, I, I live and breathe Pittsburgh Steelers football. <laughs> Unfortunately, you said the wrong team, so this interview is over. No, no. Wait, wait, wait. Who, who's your team? Who's your team? No, well, well, my wife, my wife left. Uh, Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks is that's because oh, we're up in up in Washington. But okay. my wife's a die, my wife's a diehard San Francisco 49ers fan too. So, Whoa, we also, how does that work? I go for the 49ers. I go for the oh, 49ers. Wow. <laughs> and she's, she knows I, I root for the Seahawks and I follow them when they're playing. But yeah, I'm, when the 49ers are playing the Seahawks, I'm going for the 49ers because happy wife, Aww. kids, is happy life. <laughs> hey, you, you're better. You're better man than me. My wife grew up a Florida Gators fan. I am a Kentucky okay. fan. I said I will never in a million years root for the Florida Gators. Good luck. So. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever, whenever Florida played UK, it was bad. But now she works for UK, so now she is a UK fan. There so we go. She has come to the dark You've side. Corrupted her. <laughs> it feels so good, man. <laughs> yeah, but my my major sports team is the Seattle Mariners, which is the Bay. I'm a baseball guy, oh, so nice. I'm definitely okay. a Mariner. So next year's our year, 2027. Here we come. <laughs> We're gonna be good one day. Anyway, one of these days, man. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. Anyway, let's get back to movies. Uh, one of the things growing up, I guess, is uh, being a movie fan. You, get, you had to start somewhere. Was there a movie growing up as a kid that you were like, you just gravitated to? For me, it was Back to the Future and Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those are kind of my those are my niches. I think that's kind of a traditional answer growing up as a kid. But what kind of what kind of movies that you really gravitated to as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I I loved your classics, your Star Wars, mm -hmm. incredible, your Lord of the Rings. Even as a kid, I was in awe of. When I was 10 years old, Batman Begins came out. So okay. I, I really, you know, and honestly, when I was younger than that, I didn't hate like your Batman and Robins, even though it was really cheesy. Now I look back and I'm like, those They're are terrible. Fun. Uh, that, that I, I loved him as a kid, though. I had all the action figures. Yeah. But when Batman Begins came out, I really just fell in love with that character. But then The Dark Knight showed me that superhero movies can be something more than that, yeah. right? I, I, I grew up a Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire guy. I grew up a Christian Bell Batman guy. But then The Dark Knight comes out, and you're like, this is not just a superhero film. This is something else. We're, we're diverging, going into different genres. And that's kind of what opened up my eyes to there's really something to this filmmaking thing. And I kind of fell in love with movies. And then I watched no country for old men. And I always say, that's the movie that really got me into filmmaking as a whole, the idea of not using utilizing a score for that film, the idea of giving his characters, fleshing them out in that way. One of the best villains you've ever seen uh, the conversations and then the way that movie ends, I, I won't throw spoilers out there 2007, but the way that movie ends, I was in awe. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't understand it. Should I understand it? But I don't understand it. So it, it's one of those films that you have to go back to and rewatch just to kind of appreciate where it goes. And now it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but that's the movie that pretty much opened up every single door for me. And I said, I really want to get into to filmmaking. And, and that's when I joined my school's news program 
I became the head of our comedy sketches, which was really silly. And I started to get into the whole anchoring thing because I'm like, I, you know, there, there are no, uh, you know, there's not a film industry in Kentucky. So what's the closest thing I can do? Well, I can be on TV if I do this. Right. And, and so all throughout high school and really when I got into college, I just went and I watched as many of what people consider the classic films yeah. as I possibly could. But I also rewatched a lot of the more modern movies, um, your, your modern Scorsese, your uh, I, I really grew to love Denis Villeneuve. I really grew to love Christopher Nolan, like a lot of people do. But man, I just fell in love with movies after watching uh, No Country for Old Men. And that just opened up my eyes to what it could be. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the country for old men. It's a really good movie. And we are, we here at almost sideways. We appreciate the Coen brothers quite a bit. Uh, the yeah. Fargo, whenever we do a top 10, like power rankings, as we call it, we can never use two movies. Fargo. We can never put Fargo in our top five. Right. Usually it's up there. And also <laughs> uncut gems because those oh. Fargo and uncut gems are the two movies we can never mention in our power rankings. So if you like those movies, you're in the right place guys. Yes. Anyways, Oh, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, and uh, how about uh, and Scorsese, of course. How about the Coen Brothers? You directed one of your favorite movies. Uh, what kind yeah. of films from their filmography, other than No Country, do you kind of like? Do you hold close to your heart, or do you just appreciate yeah. a lot? Well, it's funny because I No Country was the first one that I had seen, and then I went back and saw uh, Lebowski. Uh, yeah. way later, which was considered one of their other the absolute gems. Now they're more modern stuff. Um, I haven't loved quite as much as that, like, you know, Fargo late nineties, early two thousands, the, the yeah. span of films, but they are two filmmakers that, I mean, they're the filmmakers that got me into loving movies in the first place. Mm -hmm. And they're vast, so many genres. I mean, every movie's different. And yeah. I keep saying, it's like, I really want another no country for old men. But part of me is like, I just want them to keep doing different things. I, I just wanting them to, um, you know, go back to comedy, then do a thriller, then do uh, a, a Western. And then just, which they, I guess they did another Western on Netflix, very different with all of the different aspects of that movie. But man, they're just, they're so good. And they would actually probably, I'd say they'd be right. If not in my top five, right outside of my top five behind maybe a Villeneuve and, and a Scorsese, but it's these kinds of filmmakers that really just, they take the art and they rework it a little bit. And that's what they did with that film. And that's what, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood, the, you know, Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. They, they'll take the idea and they'll just add a little bit something extra that makes me sit back and go, man, movies, uh, they're a very special thing, especially when you can tweak it in that way. And I know some people want to give Scorsese grief because it's like, he does all mob movies. And I'm like, but every mob movie is just a little bit different and it's, and it's doing something a little bit extra that I don't think any other director can capture. So man, I just, it's your standard, your cliched filmmakers, but those are the ones that are at the top of my list. Yeah. But let's not forget that the guy Scorsese, that, mind you, has done more than just mob movies. He is known for yeah. the, he's the mob guy. But like, is Hugo a mob Wall movie? Yeah. 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 yeah but, it's just funny how he gets kind of like he's the mob guy and also the guy who hates Marvel, apparently. <laughs> That's King, the... King of Comedy. I mean, you go yeah. back to his. I mean, King of Comedy is one of my personal favorites of his of all time, but you go back to where he started and where he is now and the different types of movies that he did in the 70s and, and just moving all the way up. And the fact that he's never, in my opinion, had a bad movie. 
I don't think he's had a bad movie. Granted, there are probably three or four films that I haven't watched and uh, you know of his, but I don't think he's had a bad film. Mm-hmm. Who can you say that about? Not only who can you say that about, but the fact that he's had so many and I still haven't seen a bad one, that to me is just the mark of a of a I mean, Villeneuve, uh, you know, Nolan modern wise. And then you go back into your Coppola's and, and all of the greats. There are very few filmmakers that can say that. And I think Scorsese is one of them. Yeah, that is a good point. There's a, I've seen, I'm trying to go back and watch some of his, his new ones. I've seen some of his documentaries recently, like the yeah. criterion recent criterion release of uh rolling thunder review, the Bob Dylan uh, uh, documentary yeah. on Netflix, which is pretty dang good. So uh, good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's a he's a really talented director. He actually is one of the directors that I'm I'm starting slowly building my Criterion collection because he recommended a movie called The Red Shoes, which was uh, a film that he really uh, he really championed a lot. And I remember seeing that commercial for The Red Shoes, and I've actually borrowed that movie from our, one of our other co-hosts here, and have started slowly building my collection around The Red Shoes as well. So it's, uh, it's really awesome, and a lot. This director has you know not just made great movies. He's been, he's a voice talent in shark tale. <laughs> you know, he's, he's also done other stuff too. <laughs> but anyway, that, shark, I don't know why I thought about oh, that. Classic. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's a, yeah. Scorsese is one of my, my, he's directed my personally, my favorite movie of all time. That's the departed. Uh, the oh, departed nice. for me, it's my favorite. It's just one that I can go back to and rewatch. And eventually I will do uh, my kind of deep dive into that movie. I've already got talked to somebody who's also their favorite movie too. Uh, so we're going to deep dive that one. That'd be, be a lot of fun. But uh, Scorsese's great. Uh, there's some, so many fantastic directors and stuff. And is there a, a specific, like, old, like, are you ever interested in doing something for a chant, this, your Ostenberg channel, or maybe a different channel in the future that maybe you could go into more older films or stuff mm. like maybe classic movies and stuff and start sharing your thoughts on there? I know you, Letterboxd is a great place to do that, but yes. maybe in video form or anything like that. Have you ever. Th- thought about it or something that you know you're interested in doing at some point yeah i want to start doing because i i do tier lists on my channel and i've done a lot of the modern directors i've done uh bill Nov, i believe i did nolan uh, i've done tarantino which was super fun i, I really want to go back and start doing your coppola's your kubrick's your uh very classic directors because you know, those are films that I've always wanted the opportunity to talk about, but it, it's so hard getting people to care when you're going back and doing those old films. And it's such a shame. You mentioned Letterboxd. That is the perfect place to do those kinds of movies. And yeah. funny you say The Departed. I actually just added The Departed to my favorite movies of all time list on Letterboxd. It is in my, my 40s. Uh, I think that movie is phenomenal. But it's great. They're, and I watched 12 Angry Men last night, by the way, 1957. What a, you talk about flawless classics. That is, was that one your, is that your first time watching that? That was only my second, only my second, but okay. it is, I mean, you talk, but people are always like, you know, man, we got to talk about all our film. You talk about a perfect script, a perfect screenplay and just absolute flawless dialogue. That is the perfect example, but it's filmmakers yeah. like that, right? That I would love to go back and cover. I know there are some, the one that I was really thinking about was a, a, a Kubrick tier list, but there are still some movies that I haven't seen. You know, I've oh, seen your full oh. metal jackets. I've seen your uh, clockwork orange. I've seen your eyes wide shut, but there are still those one or two movies. So the second I get to complete that, um, you know, in, entire resume of a filmmaker like that, 
I really hope to start making those videos and doing those tier lists, man. Cause to talk about the all time greats, um, it's, it's more than an honor to do yeah. something like that on my channel. Yeah. I think that's something that we might have to have you on again. Cause I, we, we're not, we're not doing like a ton of like new every once in a while throw a new release up on yeah. we talk about it but we like talking about like deep diving older movies that movies that are celebrating anniversaries and yeah you know and that's one thing i've been i have been doing first time watches like uh oh, that's fun. movies that i haven't i've been blind spotted on for whatever reason and i'm po posting reviews and thoughts on it for pot heck the one that i've recently watched i'm working on is the predator with arnold never i never oh, watched yeah. it until a few weeks ago so that will be a review at some point coming down the line. So I might have to have you on. Maybe we can maybe blind spot a movie together and have you on. We can talk about one of those. So it'll be fun and deep dive something. So yeah, that'd be, uh, yeah. Older movies are sometimes they're a little harder to get into. I'm not going to lie on that. It's like every older movie is great, but you, you did sure. mention 12 angry men, top five favorite movie of all time for me. Yeah. So, okay. And I've got my wife actually really into that movie too. And that's got a criterion release for me too. And I, I bought that one. I had to, I snagged that one right up. So, Oh man. Uh, we're talking about some of our favorite movies of all time. When you, that's a, such a broad category. Um, yeah. When I first joined almost sideways, we had, we're a website and I did mine. I think I've been on there for about almost uh, eight years now, maybe a little bit more. I posted my top 100 and like my top 100 was a bunch of like normal movies, uh, pretty uh, fanboy <laughs> movies type of thing. And it, you know, it wasn't like I had like air force one with Harrison Ford at number 100. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's my list. It was, it's, it's so my list was like, looking back now, it's like, this is kind of ridiculous. But now I'm watching a bunch of older stuff and really getting invested. What kind of, what are movies that are embodying your top 100? You don't have to give me yeah. like, you know, one, you know what, just some of the, some like some random choices that are appear on your list. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I, I don't think mine is as good of a mixture as I would want it to be. There's still some some classic films that I've mm -hmm. wanted to get a revisit in before I add them to my list. Because it's like, you know, obviously, you know, Godfather, Godfather mm -hmm. Part 2. I, I, I yeah. think Part 2 would probably make my top 50, but it's been mm -hmm. so long since I've seen it, I don't have it on there. But the movies yeah. that make out my list, some of the older films, um, I say older, they're not that old. You know, a movie like Goodfellas, right? Yeah, yeah, One of my great. favorites of all time. Uh, you know, a blockbuster like Terminator 2, a Back to the Future, a Saving Private Ryan. Um, those are all firmly within my top 30. 12 Angry Men, which I just rewatched, is in my top 30 of all time. And then I get into Shawshank is another one. And then I get into the more uh, modern films like A Social Network, which is in my top 10 movies of all time. I mentioned No Country for Old Men. I mentioned Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. Uh, it, it's yeah. I try to you know keep a range on there. Of course, I've got my blockbusters. You know, I love my uh, I love my Marvel movies and I love my <laughs> uh, Star Wars movies. I've yeah. got Empire Strikes Back fairly high, and then my Nolan. Yeah. But um, the ones that stick out to me are your your Whiplashes, your Social Networks, your films that don't come around all often. If that makes Maybe. sense, you, you're, oh, you're varying genres that range across the board, and then you insert some of those older films. Um, again, I wish I wish my list was a bit more well-rounded from you know 1950s, 1960s, those kinds of films. But those are just ones that I, I have to take time and revisit. Or oh, there are a lot of classics I haven't seen, man. So you mentioned first-time watches. That would be fun for me because there are quite a few. I need. Yeah, to I see, think that, yeah, there's quite a few for me too. Like Godfather Part Two. I've never seen it. Never yeah. seen it. Well, it's see. been a long time. I've seen it yeah. one time 
and I want to go back so bad because I thought it was phenomenal. You know. Yeah. We might. Yeah. There we go. There's some. There's the conversation. Uh, what you know, we're getting to awards season, and obviously, you know, you're covering that quite a bit on your channel. But there's one movie that I was I right when I saw the nomination for, I was like, Austin Burr. I need to, when I talked to him, we need to talk about Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round. Okay, so this is my favorite movie of 2020. So this is this in Sound of Metal was my favorite film of uh, two favorite films. So number one and number two. Nice. Yeah. I so when I saw his nomination, I thought it was kind of the crazy pick. You know, not crazy good. You know, just out of the blue. Like was not expecting that to be nominated. Of course, I think everybody had Sorkin coming in there. But how yeah. how stoked were you when that happened? Oh, I was fired up, man. That that film means so much to me, and it's it's wild because. You know, I, I'm not one that drinks very often. And that's kind of yeah. the crux of the film, right? But to see so much in those characters that I related to and that I just gravitated toward and the journey that they go on and Mickelson's performance and obviously his direction, which is Oscar worthy. Yeah. I, I genuinely think that's a film that could hit hit me and resonate with me for a long time. And so that and Soul were my... I have them one and two, but they are tied essentially as my favorite movie of last year. I, I feel like when I watch another round again, it's just going to be in first place and just nothing else. Cause man, it is just, and I'm, I'm glad you agree with me. It is a special, special film. And I think, I think it deserves every Oscar, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Matt Mickelson, he's been slowly been coming one of the best. And I, I love Thomas Finnerberg. I want to go back and rewatch some more. Um, I never, I don't know if you've seen it though, but the hunt is probably one of my favorite films of the last decade. It's my top 10. Man, everybody keeps telling me, Austin, you've got to see the hunt. Cause I loved another round so much yeah. and I keep putting it off. And on my Patreon page, we're going back and revisiting the years um, and talking about our favorite movies from 2010, 2011, 2012. When we got to the year of the hunt, I have never wanted to watch a movie more because of what people were telling me about that film. So I'll tell you what, yeah, that might be the next movie I have to go watch because just talking about it is like giving me chills. Yeah. <laughs> so I it's, really want to see that. It's such a tough watch, though. Like, okay, I'm sure you know because yeah, that's what they matter. But it's it's a tough watch, but it's such an enthralling watch, and it's not something. Yeah. It's a movie that that hits you and sticks with you. And mods, man, he's such a great. He can do anything, and that's why like, he's such a great at talent. And I watched a clip of Casino Royale. That's when I, like I first was introduced uh -huh. from him and James Bond, the poker scene. Like he's just such a captivating like guy presence on on camera. So one of my favorites. Anyway, let's go back to this uh, film journey uh, experience. Uh, you, you're not just talking about film on YouTube or anything. You're also you started a podcast. Uh, you're you're part of a podcast. Started a podcast. You've been doing podcast work recently too, adding even more things to your ongoing resume. How how's your podcasting journey been? And who are, who are, who's also part of your team for that? Yeah, well, I, so I've actually been doing. I've I've been trying to branch out a little bit more in like every facet recently my buddy 3c films and i we started yeah. doing something called and we took a long hiatus because of the pandemic and we tried to focus on our own channels and there was a lack of pop culture but now that it's coming back we're kind of getting more into it uh it's called film strippers on youtube and we're really hoping to bring that to life this year when we start getting big films and and really cover spoiler reviews and then of course long form uh, breaking news podcasts every single week. So that's a blast. It's on YouTube. And then the other one that I do is my cousin Joseph, who is a comic book connoisseur, and I'm talking like he's went to classes and gotten degrees in 
the art of comic books. It's insane what that man does. He started a podcast called Pop X Cast and asked me to be his uh, co-host. And uh, we do a show every two weeks on you know the latest impact in pop culture, not just movies. Sometimes we'll talk about comic books and and things like that. Yeah, he's the most knowledgeable person. And I'm not just saying this because he's my cousin, the most knowledgeable person in terms of superheroes, comic books, and those kinds of things that I've ever met. And um, he's had a long battle with uh, hemophilia his entire life, um, and it's really hindered his ability to do many things. But comic books actually got him through years and years of being in the hospital and and, and just tra- essentially a tragic past. So he, this is his outlet, comic books his podcast, things like that. He's an artist as well. Um, so we do that podcast every two weeks and it is so much fun, man. But to do long form content sometimes is even more satisfying than what I do on my channel. Love reviews, love talking movies, but to sit and actually hash things out, which is why I do a live stream every Sunday, gives me a chance to talk about things. Uh, long form content is so much fun, man. And that's, I'm sure you're, you're feeling the same way with what you guys are doing on your channel. I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been kind of it's been kind of great and interesting. I, I want to before I get too far on the long form thing. Uh, are, are your guys' podcasts up on any other audio versions or just on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're on YouTube. Those. Both podcasts are on YouTube, and then both podcasts are on iTunes and um, Spotify. So you can find those anywhere. Um, we're trying to build a YouTube channel with pop X cast, but, uh, three C films, we're trying to get the audio feed kind of built up for film strippers. Once we start back officially, um, yeah, in a couple of weeks. So it's, um, it's fun though, man. Again, it's just, it's one of those things that you just, you want to branch out and do something different. Absolutely. And is it true that if they donate a certain amount of, uh, like, uh, live chats to you, you start taking off your clothes. Is that what I heard too? For film strippers? <laughs> I don't know if you're film, man, uh, film strippers. We'll start taking it off for free. Y'all just got to no. know the right question to ask. All right. <laughs> Come on now. You just got to ask guys, the right question. Give them the subscribe. Make sure you like and follow. Make if, sure. we, if we start talking the dark night or something, I'm just going to start taking my shirt off anyway. Cause that's there we go. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, I know we, uh, we we talked a little bit off camera. Wow, <laughs> I was kidding with my question, but I, hey, oh, I might show, I might be tuning in more. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, uh, long form content uh, with podcasts and stuff that it's it it is something tricky because especially when you're putting it up on YouTube, sometimes you know the watch time watch time of the YouTube is always really crazy. How important, um, how do I word this question exactly? But the when you're doing long-form content, how uh, are, are you looking to do that more on the Austin Burke channel? Or, or are you uh, just going to strictly do these? Obviously, the reviews are and everything, all the kind of you do it doing great for your channel anyway. But are you looking to do more long-form on your Austin Burke channel? I guess I'll start with that question. Yeah, I, I would like to. I would like to. It's always nerve wracking when you branch out and do something different yeah, on your own it channel because um, it's like we're kind of working outside the comfort zone. And I don't know if other people are going to like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I would like I would love to start doing more. I would. I, I do live streams. I started that um, late last year uh, just to give myself a bit of long form content on, on the channel. I'll, I'll answer questions. I'll you know, maybe uh, talk about WandaVision for an hour, do a little bit of a spoiler review, which yeah. is fun. But um, I, I definitely want to start doing more, maybe some longer 
um, spoiler centric videos, some tier lists where I go through 20 movies. I almost did a 2020 tier list, Ooh. but I watched like 200 something movies and I'm like, I, I I don't know how I'd be able to do that, but who knows? Maybe 2021 is my year, man. Maybe I take eight hours. I'm just like, ah, let's do this, Adam. So, let's do it. <laughs> and it's, it, it is kind of because you, you do so much different content, not just surrounding like the different streaming platforms, but also theatrical releases, TV shows, so much different array of content. You don't also don't want to just, you know, put something else out there. You have to be kind of strategic in a way what you put out because you don't want to, you know, your you have an audience that continues to come back to you time after time. Again, you don't want to put it's like, well, now I'm not really interested in 1970s best animal performances or what <laughs> you know, whatever, or you know, the reviews for like some random movie from the 30s. You know, it, it, it's it's you also got to be kind of strategic with it, especially with yes. a, 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 such an established channel, but. But anyway, we would love to have you on. Anytime we want to talk long form, we'll, oh, yeah. <laughs> we would love yeah, you to have you on. I love it, man. I love it. So, anyway, uh, the I don't want to take too much more of your time because I know we're getting about maybe an hour into it. But I I would love to keep – let's keep talking a little bit more yeah, if you don't mind. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect, man. Um, the – lost my, my, my lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, that's that's the bad thing about long form. Sometimes, like I get going and I forget my next question. <laughs> the uh, so you, I got it. So you've been doing your channel. When when officially did you start your channel? I guess that's what I should ask first. So the channel was created. Um, man, I, I mean, I made it in like 2014. Didn't touch yeah. it until 2016 but i would say 2017 was when i really kicked into full gear and said i want to do this way more often than i already do it so i would say 2017 is my official start year 20 okay so 2017 is the official start year and it's 2021 now several mm -hmm. years in between there and several hundred videos and tons of viewers <laughs> what is some things that you you have learned through your Kind of journey on the YouTube space that have, you know, has really helped you grow it even more. You know, there's such a bigger, there's a lot of bigger questions, and I know there's an awesome video that you've done what work collaborated with Sean Chandler on about how yeah. to grow and stuff like that too. So I will leave that in the show notes of the podcast and the uh, this audio form too. But quick little bullet points: what kind of things that you know you have really learned or appreciated the knowledge passed to you growing your channel. Oh, absolutely, man. I think it's important to find your, which funny enough, it's the, the kind of topic of the video that I did with Sean Chandler is find yeah. your niche, niche meaning yeah. find something that allows you to maybe stand out a little bit. And, you know, you're not always going to be the lone person doing those kinds of videos. But when I found my streaming service reviews, my Netflix reviews specifically were working and not a lot of other people were doing it at that point. And now way more people do it. And I, I like the fact that they're doing it because it's like, all right, this has kind of become a thing now. But at the time, I was essentially the only one doing it. So people would seek out these videos um, and I would be the first one and sometimes the only one that would have reviewed it. And that's something that I was looking for for a long time. I'm thinking, where's Jeremy John's review of uh, this random Netflix movie? Where is this? Where is that? And I just never found it. So yeah. I think the ultimate piece of advice is if there's something that you have always wanted to see in the movie critic space, you could be the first one. 
You know what I mean? If there's some, if there's an idea that you're thinking, man, why doesn't anybody do this? <laughs> why not? And you know, people always say until you actually do it, because it took me forever to sit down and do it. I feel like if I would have have committed to my channel two years earlier, I would be in way better shape at this point. Yeah. But I finally did it, and it paid off. So find your niche. Make sure you you stay patient when things aren't going your way, and not every video is going to work. And I think part of the struggle with these Netflix reviews that I still do is, you know, some shows and movies people just don't care about. But then you get this random movie from uh, uh, Switzerland that people are, you know, is all the rage, and you're like, I'm glad I watched four movies that day, and there was one movie that people cared about. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like. Yeah. You just, and that's why I watch so many shows and do so many movies because it's like I want to find, but it's not just I want to find it because, oh, I got to get all the views. I got to do this. Yeah. I, I would be looking for a review. And I love reviewing movies. It's something I'm passionate about. And I want people to be like, hey, that guy reviews movies and, you know, maybe he does a good job. So I, I do what I think I would be seeking out wanting reviews for these random movies. And I think that's, yeah. that's a super fun niche to have. And, I, I encourage everybody who's looking, just find something that allows you to stand out from the crowd. Then you can do the movie reviews. Then you can go to the theater, come home and record a review. But yeah. make sure you have one thing that kind of sets you apart. And if you can find that, then I, I think you're in, in very good shape. But if you're just doing it as a hobby, just make sure you're putting passion into your videos because that's very important. Another yeah. thing is, another thing is, be sure to engage. Don't just make videos so people will, you know, come in and, and leave a comment. You never say anything to them. If somebody leaves a comment and asks a great question and you're aware that they left that comment, answer their question. You know yeah. what I mean? Engage. Start a conversation. I always say that in my videos, but it's true. Like that that makes people care and want to come back. And I I think I've I've actually found some really cool people in my comments that come back to every video and they're just like, what's up? And I'm like, hey, it's you again. You know what I mean? Like I just I love that interaction mm -hmm. so be sure to engage with other people and that and that makes them want to come back and watch more yeah that's the it's a big one especially i i i was we were we were ugh, we respond to every comment and it's like yeah that's so important because you can't have like for us i said it before almost like was the place for movie conversation how can i have a conversation yeah. with you if i'm not going to respond to you absolutely that's a thing so just yeah, exactly. You have to be engaging with people, even if it's just like, oh yeah, it's a really great point. What did you think about this? And then yes. you you give it back to them. You now they have to try to respond to you. If they don't respond, it's okay. But then you've mm -hmm. opened up that the gate where hey, I'm going to be consistent and be yes not with my videos, but also with my conversation too. Back Absolutely, to great piece of advice there. Finding your niche is really cool too. Uh, we have I'm, I need to do. I'm trying to put more of these out there, but we. If you like, if you want a niche of Nicolas Cage movies, we have a guy on our podcast that he's been doing journeys into the cager, as we call That's it, awesome. cager, awesome. where he's been reviewing every single Nicolas Cage movie that he hasn't watched up to this point. And he, he actually <laughs> tells you where this film places in his filmography for him. That's he, cool. So I haven't uploaded this review yet, though, but he just reviewed for the very first time Teen Titans Go to the Movies. So Todd... Uh, big oh yeah, so it's been fun. He's been reviewing like movies from like the Cotton Club, where he has Nicholas Cage as kind of a small role to bigger roles, where like the Frozen Ground is one. Like wow, the, he, you know, crazy. Heck, I'm gonna be taking a journey into the Cager soon. I have a honeymoon in Vegas that I want to watch. Ooh. 
too. So it's another one with like, it's like, you know, crazy little films there. So Nicolas Cage has a fan base and one of our more popular videos on here is like a three minute video clip of Todd talking about next from 2007, 2000 yeah. views. Well, that's, yeah. that's perfect. It, you know, that is finding a group of people. People will seek that out and they're going to say, this guy, he talks about Nicolas Cage movies. That's something I want to see. That is the perfect example. And you would never in a million years think something like that. But I'm telling you, if you are the only one doing it or amongst the only ones doing it, there is always going to be an audience for something like that. Yeah. Um, and that, so don't be afraid to expand out, do something different. If it doesn't work, so be it. I've tried plenty of things that don't work. And yeah. according to a lot of people, what I'm doing now doesn't work, but <laughs> it's okay. If you have confidence, do it, and, and I'm sure people, uh, at least a small group of people, will respond. Okay, and that, that's the beautiful thing. Like, that's why I really appreciate Todd. He, the guy, he's probably the person I've, who has uh, that I know that has seen the most movies of anybody. He's seen like, wow. like over like five thousand, I want to say roughly. Like, he's Man. seen so many movies, like some movies I've never even heard of. But he's he he loves he loves movies, and he lets he's passionate about it. Like everybody on like our, our podcast is like passionate about some kind of thing. So. Yes, finding yeah. a niche is really key and like he he his uh film knowledge is crazy but he loves nicholas cage so he wa he's been watching everything <laughs> even this stuff he's like this is horrible like this is like how did this get made oh because nicholas <laughs> cage was in it that's why <laughs> so finding a niche is, is pretty key so definitely and also engaged so yeah, yeah that's pretty pretty cool well that's it's also it's it's kind of like so i try to watch as many new releases as i can a lot of it has to do with there's this really weird passion that I have. I want to keep watching more and more movies every single year. So like, I, I, and that's why I'm always adding the letterbox. I'm seeking out new releases and everybody's like, Austin, why don't you watch a lot of these older films and go back? It's like, cause there's always a new release out that needs a review or there's always a new movie out. And uh, the series, the Netflix series takes up a lot of my time, but my goal every single year, and I don't know why this is my goal, but it's just something instilled deep into me is watch more movies this year. Than I watched last year and to keep doing it and to keep getting bigger. So if you love movies and you have a passion for something like that, why not, man? If you can find the time to do it, why not? So that's why you're seeing me watch every little movie in the world, even if I know it's going to be terrible. <laughs> What's your goal? What's what, what goal do you have to beat this year? What, how many movies so, did you watch last year? Let's see. Uh, let me, let me pull up this list really quick. So right now I'm at, uh, get on Letterboxd. I'm at 84. Last year, I saw 241 new releases. So my goal this year is 250. If I can reach 250, I'm going to be happy. And that means my goal next year is going to be like 260. And it's just going to keep getting... Eventually, I will not find the time to outdo my goal. But I think this year, if I can reach 250, I mean, I'm already at 84. I think I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. All you have to do is be like Alex DeLarge. You get tied down to a chair, keep your eyes open, and just have <laughs> just have your eyes, yeah, have your eyes open. There we go. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> uh, what what has becoming uh, sharing your thoughts so consistently on YouTube? You know, it obviously has opened up where now you said earlier where there are people are getting screeners and you were able to get screeners too. Yeah. What does YouTube really kind of help? What what kind of benefits have youtube given you from like either becoming part of critic society or you know different acknowledgements as well what kind of what, what kind of stuff has happened for you 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the goal was to always be on Rotten Tomatoes. That was kind of like the dream. And they say you have to have this many subscribers, but you also have to have uh, this many types of videos and just a lot of these different things. So, you know, again, it, I, I didn't get a screener until I was at 35, 40K. Um, and now that the door is being opened up more to YouTube, I'm seeing a lot of smaller creators get screeners. And I'm just like, finally. Like, cause there's so many good creators that deserve these screeners. And now the door is finally opened up and people are getting to do that. And I'm just like, oh yes. Cause I've always wanted people to take YouTube seriously other yeah. than the, you know, the ones with a million. Right. And now they're starting to do that, which is awesome. But it opened up Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, 2020 being like the worst year in existence. It actually was a good year for my channel. Cause I got Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I became a part of the critics choice association and I was able to do my first digital, but my first film festival. Um, and it was quite the experience, man. I, I just, you know, saying you're a YouTuber is to me very fulfilling because it's like, I love what I do and I love watching movies. But now I can say, you know, when people are like, all right, show me your credentials, YouTuber. And I'm just like, hey, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, and sometimes they just like, blah, but at least they'll take me a bit more seriously now that I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's just, it's nice to know, um, even though it took me way longer than I thought it would take me, because uh, I hit the goal and then I kept growing and I heard nothing back. And then I realized that they sent the email to my other email that I didn't use anymore. So I actually got accepted three months earlier, <laughs> which was <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, yeah, so that was my life. But, um, but man, it was just, it was fulfilling to know that we, and I say we, because like, there's so many people that helped out my channel and helped me to get to where it is now. Um, but we did it. We accomplished it. But I will not be satisfied until we start getting because most studios will. But we start getting every studio to continue to, to take these YouTubers seriously, man, because there are so many talented people on YouTube with way less than the threshold that Rotten Tomatoes requires. That should be on Rotten Tomatoes. That should be be taken seriously by these studios and being sent screeners and should be a part of the critics choice association. And I'm just like, to me, this is just another outlet. Um, yeah. And we're, we're, we're close. We're getting there, but people are starting to recognize that everybody on YouTube, we are a force to be reckoned with my friend. And I hope we keep getting better and better. Heck yes, man. I, I, I love it. That's, that's awesome. The, uh, you know, two of our PIs, myself and um, Todd, who I've mentioned, who does the Nicholas Cage things. Him and I have recently become a part member of Film Independent, which is yes. You know, yes. So we we've, we've been we actually this year actually we have a podcast coming out. And I think we're recording in a couple of weeks. What we vote, we actually get a vote in the Spirit Awards. So dude, that's, that's pretty. Awesome. It's pretty cool. And I'm like, it feels oh my god, yeah. It feels it feels crazy. Like it, it's it. I'm you know I've Netflix. I have been able to get some Netflix stuff too, and. I think obviously because my pat the stuff that I've done before and now this too, it's like yeah. it's kind of all it's gets counted. So I'm like, it's pretty exciting, you know. It's it's pretty uh, like one of my first screeners was the Trial of Chicago Seven and Over the Moon and um, oh. yeah, so those were like some really good ones to first jump into. So yeah. it's pretty crazy how uh, just just normal people just talking in front of a camera talking about what they love, you know, people are sending some stuff to your way. So man, it is, and and you know. They're because you are under the YouTube banner. It's almost like originally they didn't want to take us as seriously. And I was a part of that. That's why I, I didn't get screeners for the longest time. And last year was my first 
screener. It was my first um, legitimate digital screener. And then it was my first legitimate in-person screener prior to, you know, all the crazy stuff happening with the pandemic. But once you finally get to that point, it's almost like this weight lifted off your shoulders. And I still struggle with, with certain things in certain studios. Um, but at least we've taken one step closer and it's nice to know that they are finally looking at us as creators, but more importantly, as film critics, film and uh, analysts, film, whatever you want to call it, people who kind of know the craft yeah. and I, I still have a lot to learn and I'm sure you do as well. And I'm sure yeah. we all do in the YouTube space, but man, I think we're 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 pretty um we're pretty knowledgeable when it comes to films, filmmaking, and all that stuff, man. And I and I watch your all's content, and I know you guys have the exact same seriously have the exact same basis of you know what you're talking about, and I think that's really important. And people are starting to see that, so it's good to know that you're you're yeah. getting screeners as well. Absolutely, and it's 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 there's four of us doing this thing, and we all have a when we all do like our big live, like we're all together. It's like all four of us come from different ways of thinking of stuff. We have the one more <laughs> like the cr critical minded. We have different uh, we got guys who are fanboys and myself, you know, I'm the only one who watches the animated Batman movies, but those are good. Dang it. So <laughs> I, I love, uh, so yeah, we have a big array of stuff and it's like, we all are passionate and we can all see each other's points, but also kind of like, kind of debate your, your points. Like, are, is it really yeah. that because you're saying it, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's, it's so fun to just talk about the films too. So it's, yeah. it's pretty exciting. I agree. I yeah. uh, one last question before uh, we kind of wrap it up because I don't take too much of your time, but goals, we all, you should always have goals for your channel. Uh, we're three months in, almost four months into this 2021 already. What goals would you like to accomplish uh, personally and also with your YouTube channel uh, for your, yeah. uh, your content uh, before the year ends? Well, I, I think on a personal level, I've, I've always wanted to become a more patient person uh that's that's something i find myself lacking in because you know uh, it w especially this well my generation the generation below me we're all like you know we want it now i gotta make the youtube videos and we gotta get it now so yeah uh, that and that's always it's always i i find myself you know with with each passing video i'm like i want this video to do well i want this video to do well and i want to reach my goal on youtube but i want yeah. it now and it's like i just have to be patient i've been doing it for four years i i can i can do it for four more and continue to you know slowly reach all of my different goals but the thing about being a youtuber is every time you reach a goal there's another goal that you set for yourself and there's and it's always like and i don't want to get the big head and say well i want more i want more but it's less so out of you know just like a personal like am i too needy right it's more so because, at least for me, I want this thing to keep growing because I love the community. I want it to last. I want it to make an impact. And I want to contribute in terms of, you know, supporting my wife and, you know, raising a family and all of those things, which are things that we're going to do. And so if I can develop that patience and continue to develop that and just be... I'm content, but maybe more content with some of the things that are just happening in the now. Yeah. And I think I'll be a lot more, um, a, a lot better off because I, I tend to get a little, a little stressed out, Adam. <laughs> I get a little overly stressed, and my wife's always telling me it's going to be okay. But uh, so patience is my thing. But uh, in terms of my YouTube channel, I would love to hit 100k this year. Um, it's you know it's going to be continue to be a slow trudge. It has been a trudge, um, but I, I would love to 
reach that goal and to get on board with physical screenings um, more consistently when those start back up. I live in Kentucky. We do not have those in Kentucky. So I will be having to travel to Nashville, Tennessee, which is three and a half hours away every time I watch a physical screening. So trying to get a hold of people in Nashville, Tennessee is very tough. Um, but if I can get that on a consistent basis when those start back up and uh, get on board with every studio, then I, I think the channel is going to you know, hopefully be more successful because of it. So those are my goals, Adam. There we go. See. <laughs> Tune in to 2022, and we will just get the yeah. live update from Austin. You see, my channel's been deleted. I gave up on everything. So yeah, yeah he's, he's like, oh, the world is no, not. The world is not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's been a very fun uh, conversation with you uh, today, <laughs> learning about just a, just a little tip of the uh, the iceberg, the little a little bit of the, your film journey uh, with YouTube and your uh, journey through what movies you love and kind of just getting to know you a little bit, a little bit more as well. There's so much more to know guys. So make sure you guys check out Austin on YouTube, social media, letterbox a lot. If you really want like every like check out letterbox, he's put so much content. There's so much content out there to devour of Austin's make sure you eat up every bit of it. So my food, I'm, I might be hungry. So I'm using a lot of food puns right now. So. <laughs> I can always eat Adam. Give me some heck food, yeah. man. I'll eat it. I'm hungry too. <laughs> heck yes, man. Uh, but anyway, where can we find you uh, one last time on YouTube and social media, my friend? Yeah, you guys can find me uh, youtube.com slash Austin Burke uh, at the Burkinator on Twitter and Instagram. Letterboxed. I believe you just type in Austin Burke and you'll find me. And uh, of course, the podcasts that I talked about. But um, I just appreciate the support man adam I, I appreciate you for uh bringing me on today and it was genuinely a great time getting to uh just talk sit back and relax a little bit man this was nice yeah absolutely man and you don't have to worry about editing on this one yes. so you're good live <laughs> editing adam it's nice yeah. it's so nice Yeah, exactly. it's so nice but anyway it's been a real pleasure and look i'm heck i'm really serious about having you on for like a podcast or absolutely. talking about going deep dive in a movie and also you know uh, you know, first time watches. I think we might have to have a conversation. What's a movie that we haven't watched that everybody says we should have and oh. we, we knock it out. So It'd be fun. Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know, man. I'll come back on for sure. There we go. All right. I appreciate it. Anyway, guys, my name is Adam. You can find me on, I mean, to actually do this real fast. So there we go. My name is Adam and I talk about movies here on almost sideways as one of the four members, but we also love talking about movies with you guys. Make sure you guys, let us know what you guys are thinking about it, and also hit subscribe and uh, like, share, review, all that good, all that fun stuff here on Almost Sideways. And you can find us on Twitter at Almost Sideways, and all the podcast links are down below too. So, uh, yeah, I should have had that prepared anyway. So anyway, <laughs> so next time, guys, this is Adam and Austin, and we will see you guys later.